Hello and happy Memorial Day, everybody. Uh, this is the Bikes for Death podcast. My name is Patrick and I'm your host. This is the podcast that talks about bikepacking, adventuring, and the cool people who participate. Got a special guest for y'all today. Lael Wilcox is on the show. Uh, she and I just happened to be in Northwest Arkansas at the exact same time. I was up there on a family vacation and she was there for work and I saw on Instagram that she was in the area. I sent her a message on Instagram and she was gracious enough to say yes. And in short order, we were sitting down at a table and having an interview. Um, it's I'm still kind of in shock that it happened. Um, whenever I started the podcast, my ultimate you know, dream or goal was, was to one day be able to interview her. And so being able to interview her at episode 10, um, is, is crazy. It's awesome. Um, uh, you know, the truth is I probably would have been happy to interview her at podcast number a hundred whenever I'd gotten better at interviewing and, and all that. But, um, you know, I, it, it doesn't matter. Like I had the opportunity and I took it and it was great. And so like whenever I was editing this episode, I thought about like editing down and making it super polished. But um, the truth of it is, is that I'm still learning how to be a podcaster and I'm trying to get better. And I don't I, I don't mind, I guess, kind of taking you all along the journey and kind of seeing some of the stupid things that I say or or, or whatever, you know, so I kind of I kind of left the audio raw and, and that's kind of my style in general. Um, but I am actively working at getting better. Yeah, I, I appreciate all the comments and uh, the critiques that I get. Um, you can always reach out to me either on Instagram or just send me an email uh, bikes at bikes And I love to hear from y'all and um, any, any suggestions you have on ways I can improve the show. Um, I'm all ears. I want to get better. Um, so for this episode, like I said, I, I left it kind of raw. I wanted to, I, I think part of it just like showed her personality and how like down to earth she was. And so like the podcast actually starts, uh, uh, we were just talking as I was getting the equipment set up and I hit record and that's, that's the moment that this interview will start. And so we're kind of halfway through a conversation, but she's kind of giving me a little jab there and I, you know, it just shows her personality a little bit. So it kind of, you know, it's not a smooth intro into the episode, but I liked it. So I left it in. Um, anyway, all right. I won't talk too much more about the interview itself. Uh, but before we get to it, um, just wanted to let everybody know that I've set up some new tiers over at Patreon. Uh, we just got in bikes or death patches. So if you go over to Patreon, those are now available. Uh, either you can contribute for $1 and it's a few stickers. $5 contribution is a patch and a sticker and a $10 contribution is two patches and two stickers. So if you want to get in on that, head over to Patreon and all of that just goes to support the show. Okay. And, uh, one last thing before we get to it, uh, please stick around after the show because I have an idea for a project that I could use some of y'all's help on. Um, but I'm going to let the episode roll and then we'll, I'll talk to you about it once the episode is over, but please stick around to hear about that. Cause I got an idea and I think it, it could be kind of neat. So, all right, that's it. Let's get to the show. Oh, yeah, it's a huge state. Well, yeah, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Alaska's bigger. 
Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> yeah, you had to throw that out there. <laughs> good, good. You got that in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah. Have you I mean, lived in Alaska your whole life? I I grew up there. So yeah. I went through high school there and then moved out of state for college. And then, you know, now I go back for like six weeks or so. Cool. All right. Well, um, you ready? I'm ready. All right. <laughs> this is crazy. Okay. So I'm literally sitting down across the table from Leo Wilcox. I'm going to get your name right. I'm sitting across the table from Lael Wilcox. Um, I'm ac- absolutely freaking out right now. This is, um, so I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to be like a super fan for like one minute and then I'm going to like <laughs> get that out of the way so then I can be a podcaster for the rest of the time, hopefully. Yeah. This is like a, a big deal for me. Um, whenever I started the podcast, my big, big goal was to interview you no way I, I mean i swear you know like that was like you know how anytime you do anything you're like all right what's my big goal what's that like one thing that you're going to put out there that if you can achieve that i don't know what it means but it like that's what you're going for and uh and the reason why is because i'm I, i'm a genuine fan of yours i mean really cool. watching um, what you've been able to accomplish um is inspirational it's something that has helped me to go and do things that I may not have been able to do or didn't think I'd be able to do and put myself in hard situations and keep pushing. And it's because of not just you, but you are one of the big people that, um, that I can look up to in the sport and say like, wow, look at what Lael did, you know? Uh And, and the other side of that is it's, it's not just like what you've accomplished, but I feel like it's the attitude at which you go through, these events and the things that you choose to tackle you're always smiling Mm -hmm. you have a positive attitude and you're happy to be on your bike and you're you know right is that true it's totally true I'm just so excited to be out there and um and I feel like so lucky that I get to keep choosing what I'm doing you know it's like the next thing and then I don't know what's coming up and two months before I make a plan and then kind of make it more complicated by figuring out a ride there or uh, some creative way to approach it and then that keeps it like really alive for me yeah I'm just pumped to be doing it I'm like oh my gosh I can't believe I get to make this connection <laughs> or you know the people I meet along the way kind of ha- like linking up all the dots it's just like that's that's a lot of the fun for me that it's not so straightforward you never you never kind of know what's going to happen yeah well again thank you so much for being an inspiration um I'm going to I'd be remiss if I didn't throw that out there and genuinely thank you from me to you. And I'm sure I echo the sentiments of a lot of people who are listening. Um, yeah, thank you for being out there and thanks for, I know you're having fun and you're enjoying it, but you're also inspiring a lot of people along the way. So thank you. Well, thanks a lot. I mean, it's cool. We're doing this. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool for me. Yeah. So we're actually sitting here in uh, Bentonville today in a backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little while ago, we had a rap concert going on, um, but you might also hear some birds and stuff. Yeah. It's a beautiful day. Um, yeah. So what, wh- let's start there. Like, why are you in uh, Bentonville? Yeah. So I came here actually, um, the Women from Hope, Hope has a really strong women's program, and then they got connected with the organizer of the Women Shred Festival, which is part of the Bentonville Film Festival this year, and they just asked, hey, do you want to come to this festival with us, and we'll show um, the movie that Rue made last year, I'm Not Stopping, and you can do a and a and kind of group rides, and I was like, heck yeah, I'd love to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd never come to Arkansas otherwise, uh, so we made, we decided on this, I think, in January or so and then just kind of marked off the dates and 
and here we are. Yeah. And I, I love it. I mean, I'm just like, whoa, I just want to come back to Arkansas. It's so beautiful. So many trails. Now there's this new 1200 mile gravel route and, uh, I just feel like there's a lot more to do here, so yeah, there's pretty a lot cool to on. get like a little exposure to it. Yeah, it's they have so much going on. It's over. It's overwhelming. You know, you said earlier it's like Disneyland for cyclists. It is. Yeah, yeah totally. The the trails are anyway. It's like they're, it's like all these rocks are perfectly placed, and then you do little stream crossings, and it's it's just a lot of fun. I think. I don't think anybody could have a bad time out there. You know, it's super flowy and, yeah. and just like you're just smiling the whole time. That's that Walmart money. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's huge. But it's really cool to kind of see that happen out of kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, I talked to this guy, Gary, I think Gary Werner. Yes. And he's um, Vernon, something. Vernon, something like that. And yeah. he's like, I, I think responsible for a lot of this trail building. Right. And he said, you know, in 2003 or 2004, there was there were zero trails. Mm-hmm. It's like 15 years later, it's like a kind of a mecca, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. They're really using this to like showcase what's possible whenever the city, the state, um, and local even companies get involved and produce infrastructure, and the entire state has benefited from what they've done. I mean, totally. Um, residency is going up and and all kinds of yeah i mean i must have met at least like half a dozen people that individually told me they just moved here because they thought it was such a nice place like from all over the country like whoa people are moving here yeah yeah we're i'm I'm one of them yeah my wife and i are we got our land and we're uh we're headed here as soon as we can so so let's talk a little bit more about the film Mm -hmm. um why did you call it i'm not stopping you know it's actually funny i didn't name it um and then i wrote an article for the radivist and he titled the article i'm not stopping um for my story because in my story was a big part a couple guys came and found me you know with my spot tracker and they they were saying stuff like, hey, will you pull over here so we can take a selfie? And I was like, no, I'm not going to pull over. I'm not stopping. (laughs) And it was just like this kind of recurring sentiment. And I was like, I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep going, you know, and I and that was what was kind of driving me. I'm like, I'm not getting off my bike. You know, I was only sleeping like two, two and a half hours a night and just moving forward. Um, So I guess John Watson from the Radivist kind of named it for us. Oh, cool. That reminds me of another uh, story I remember about you from the 2016 2016 Trans Am when your competitor I think asked you if you wanted to like ride in together oh yeah and you said this is a race yeah (laughs) it's so good I mean you you put so much work into being there and you sacrifice so much like the Trans Am that at that point it was 17 days in of like very little sleep I was cutting even more sleep towards the end trying to catch this guy then I finally do and then he's like hey let's finish it together we've been battling for two weeks and I'm like no no bro I was like we're going (laughs) and then I just started sprinting like as hard as I could fired up for like the next 20 25 miles you know I was like I felt like my chest was gonna explode I was riding so hard but I was also so excited I was like oh my god I can't believe I actually have legs right now you know it's like I think the excitement just like kind of triggered something and I just went for it yeah you were still in the race mentality you were like I'm gonna knock this thing out and and I think I think you answered it. It's like, okay, everything you did up to there, like you worked so hard to get to where he was. And then you're like, no, I'm not just going to stop and like wait for you. And, you know, yeah, I mean, in this race, like I had, you know, especially like the first week of it, quite a bit of frustration because I was like, I'd never really ridden road. And I was like, ah, it's going to be a piece of cake. It's so easy. You know, we're on the road. And then 
I really didn't have like road riding technique. I had never ridden so many flats, mm. like flat terrain. I was like, this is miserable. <laughs> it's just so hard. You really have to like push a, like a big ring just to get the speed you need mm. to cover the distance. And I was like, I just don't have that. I'm a climber. Right. So I had to like learn whole new technique while I was out there. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was riding with a friend, Evan, and he was like, well, don't, don't give yourself such a hard time. You could come back like next year or a few years later and you'll actually, you'll probably get good at this uh. like, eventually. <laughs> and I was like, I turned to him, I was like, I got to do it now. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm not right coming now. back later. Like I have to figure this out. What mileage in was he saying that to you? Probably like closer to like a thousand miles okay, in so and the full thing's like 4,200. Yeah. Cause I was like, Evan, do you have any like, you know, uh, advice? Because I feel like I'm just blowing it. Cause we were like, at that point, uh, the leaders were like 150 miles ahead of us. And I was like, oh, my God. I was just kind of like depressed. Oh, man. <laughs> so how'd you, I mean, how'd you bounce back from that? Did you, was it just a matter of teaching yourself how to ride on the road or? You know, kind of. The, I mean, a big part of that was I was riding or I was sleeping like five hours a night at that point, And the leaders were sleeping like one. So they had like another four hours of riding a day. Right. And then, uh... Oh, and then the terrain got a lot tougher in the east, like super steep, super like just rollers, you know, just kind of crushing terrain. And that's when I started doing really well. So right. I was like, I can do this climbing, like I can do this tough terrain. And then so I was gaining on people there because I had that kind of ability to ride that terrain. Cool. Um, but the flats were just going to. They were going to kill you. Kill me. <laughs> this is so. Oh. That's neat. All right. Well, going back to I'm not stopping. Mm -hmm. um, that's actually. Wh why don't we talk about that route a little bit? Because oh, there was yeah. a ton of climbing in that. What was that like? Totally. So it's a route in Switzerland. It it does kind of a circle from uh, German Switzerland to f the French side, and it's a thousand kilometers in a hundred thousand feet of climbing. Holy shit. Yeah. So then uh, I ended up climbing like almost 25,000 feet a day. It was I don't even know what that, so I can't imagine. Insane. Yeah. That's just like incredible. Every single day, day after day. You yeah. Know? And it's just steep up and steep down because there's no other way you can fit that much climbing into that distance. So it's just so, so steep. My gearing for that bike was like a, I think a 30 tooth chain ring with 10 to 50. And I was in that easiest gear often yeah like just grinding it out like i can't going believe like you didn't have a bigger range three miles an hour wow. yeah so uh and then i was like oh maybe next year i'd get a 28 you know it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like might have been better yeah. um but i wasn't i was mostly on my bike just pedaling like sometimes rue was there documenting and she'd be like basically speed walking faster than i was riding i was like oh this is pathetic right you know this is just so such a grind how much times. of it was riding and how much of it was pushing mostly riding really all. oh wow yeah okay. there were like a few stretches of pushing but it was never for long like never more than like half a kilometer of yeah. pushing which is pretty cool yeah know, considering how steep it was so and often like you'd have like a paved climb and then a, a like a trail descent like the way it was routed mm -hmm. which was pretty sweet yeah that's um, awesome yeah. um so from the film, what what was your personal favorite part of that film? Mm. Uh, I really like the guy I was racing, Stefan Stransky. Mm -hmm. He's just such a goofball, like such a funny guy. Yeah. Um, I liked how Rue like kind of showed his personality because we would ride like in the during the race we rode together 
in the night, I think for two hours, one of the nights, and we're just talking, and he was just so funny, like the things he was doing, I was like, this guy is just way out there. I mean, he wasn't really, this is kind of against like uh, self-supported, but he wasn't really carrying anything. Right. So he'd be like yelling, he'd be like, hey, to an old farmer guy, he's like, hey, do you have any chain lube you know or like probably just using like motor oil i don't even know but he yeah. and he's a czech guy you know and then he's in switzerland he hardly speaks english these people don't really speak english like their communication must have been so funny yeah yeah i like the end whenever he made it to freddie mercury and he's like oh, i had to get the cheese yeah you know? yeah yeah. He like <laughs> you want some cheese bought all this farm stuff <laughs> yeah that's great yeah, great attitude, him too, you know. Oh my gosh, he's great. And we'll all be racing him again in Kyrgyzstan this year. Oh, cool. So that'll be super cool. What is that event? It's a Silk Road mountain race. Oh, right, okay. So I think like a thousand miles, a lot of climbing there too, and then almost no resources. Right. So that should be really cool. So my favorite uh, part with, of the film was when you were cresting that mountain oh. and you were pushing your bike and you could tell how steep it was by how you were having to like engage the brake and then like pull yourself up by your bike and I think if you've done this kind of stuff you've probably been there before you're just like oh you know but what you said was what was really neat and um you probably remember how you were like just stoked to be there you were like oh. man to like be here at this time of day in this weather and to see this I just loved your perspective um in that moment you know it's incredible though it's so beautiful yeah i mean and that's like comes down to you know these races happen all over the world but then it really comes down to how good the route is because it's like i've also done some races where the route was not that great and then you're like you're you're in a lot of pain and then you're in kind of just like a swamp and you're like why am i here right (laughs) (laughs) but it always becomes kind of like it's always kind of funny too because you're like what am i doing here like pushing through a swamp in the middle of the night yeah but then i still want to be there you know because you never know what's next either that's true so what pushes you on those rides i mean what keeps you motivated to keep getting up every morning and go out there and pound the pedals i just want to i really just want to do my best and then I'm like, if I did it, then I would know. I'd be like, oh, I like slept an extra hour here. Or, you know, I, I would know. And then I would be like disappointed in that, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm like driven in. Most of the time I wake up and I actually do want to go. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm not like, oh. <laughs> I mean, the first like hour will be kind of like warming up. Um, but then once you're moving, it's fine. Right. You know? And then, yeah, it's just like the terrain you get to cover in a single day is incredible. Yeah, how much inspiration do you draw from the different sights or sounds or views that oh, you experience? Huge. I mean, the thing for me is it's it's also feels like low pressure for that because it's like I can just be in my own head thinking and then I look out, see this beautiful view, and I'm like, wow, have like this moment of like, this is amazing, and then just go back to like whatever I'm thinking about. Right. I don't feel like I have to focus that hard, you know, or like I don't, it doesn't have to be like the best moment of my life, but I still get to experience it. Right. You know, and that's kind of in a way can be like a mental break from touring when you feel like you have to make all the right decisions. Like, oh, we should camp in a nice place or should we go to this town or not? Like you're constantly like weighing your options. When you're racing, you're like, I just have to keep moving forward. Who cares? Oh, keep it simple. Yeah. 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 So you try to like balance your, you're obviously very um, competitive. Mm. 
probably mm-hmm. mostly against yourself maybe mm-hmm. like you were talking about how you you know you don't want to get to the end of a race and and have like regrets where you left like an extra hour right. sleep or whatever so it sounds like you try to balance that competitive with also trying to appreciate the moments um as they come in the ride oh yeah and then even with your like competitors you feel like generally feel more like friends with them like you're excited to see them right you have so much in common you're experiencing the same thing that it's not it doesn't feel like you have any animosity towards them you're more like wow yeah. you know like Stefan during Navad would be like tell me some weird thing that happened to you today right and like so we just kind of like talk over the day or you know, it wasn't like this fierce, like, I'm going to beat you. Right. But then you do want to catch him and, like, drop him. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's both, but it's like friendly competition. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. I did an, uh, I did a 500. Do you know Hal Russell? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I, I cool guy, uh, yeah. also big smiler. Oh, big smiler, yeah. <laughs> One of my heroes, big yeah, time. Yeah, the best. Yeah, so he and I did a 500-mile self-supported gravel event in Texas. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, I wound up racing against him quite a bit, and... It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I was trying to beat him. He was trying to beat me, but we're having a good time. We're, yeah, we're chatting sure. each other up and talking about the race. And mm-hmm. he got me on night three. I was like, Hey, how, how you doing? And I was passing him. Um, he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I think I'm going to settle down and sleep here pretty soon. And so I did another, I don't know, 50 miles. I was like, all right, I, I think I'm going to sleep. And then while I was sleeping, he just, he never slept. He just kept going. I was like, you old dog. (laughs) (laughs) He just told you a story. That's so good. (laughs) Yeah. I love it though. I mean, yeah, I learned, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think if he, I think he probably maybe was really going to stop and sleep, but, and then he decided to keep going, but it's just, you know, it's just, it's a fun game and it keeps you like motivated and in the moment to like have somebody to kind of like you know, race against, oh, that guy's catching me or that girl's catching me. I need to go faster or whatever. I mean, it just, you gotta, you're out there for a long time. Like you need to have some motivation. A big thing, you know, it's like, I've done these events too, where I just am solo and it's so much easier if you're part of a race to stay like motivated or to feel like I'm not the only one experiencing this. Like if it's terrible weather or whatever, you're like, oh, you have like this camaraderie. And then when you're by yourself and it's only you against the clock, you're like, oh, yeah, that's rough. (laughs) It could be so like that clock isn't going to sleep either. No, it's just going to keep going. And then you think about conditions other people had setting these records and they were like great conditions. And you're like into an extreme headwind. Mm -hmm. You're like, Oh no, no, this isn't right. (laughs) (laughs) I get a redo. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So I want to go back, um, to the very beginning now, (laughs) (laughs) but I feel like, Okay, you're the only guest I've ever had on the show that has a Wikipedia page. You and know? it's really wrong. Okay, yeah. but It's so bad. It's like really false. We need to work on that. But you do have a <laughs> Wikipedia page regardless of how. Uh, but, I mean, a lot of people are familiar with you and what, mm-hmm. and what you've done in the sport, um, especially with my, my listeners. They'll be very familiar with you. Um, yeah, take us back a little bit, like, before everybody knew Lael Wilcox and how you got into cycling and, and then bikepacking. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was not a cyclist growing up, like, at all. I didn't even like bikes. I really only started (laughs) riding. (laughs) No, it's true. Uh, I started riding in college just to get to and from work. And I was like, okay, this is cool because it's faster than um, 
faster than walking because I've never driven a car either. So a bike became like this super vehicle for me just to like get around. It was like, wow, that opens up my world. Walking across town takes like all day. Yeah. Which I like too. It's just different. Right. When you have like a time crunch, you got to get there. Uh, So I started riding to work and then I was living in Tacoma, Washington, uh, going to college at the time. And my sister was living in Seattle. um, So I was going to go visit her and then uh, I was super broke. I didn't even have like money for the bus. Like it's like $2.50. You know, I didn't even have that. So I was like, well, what if we just rode there? Uh, I was with my boyfriend at the time, Nick. And so we like, this was in like 2000, probably like 2006. Um, and we like printed off directions from MapQuest, I think, for a bike route mm-hmm. from Tacoma to Seattle. And then just rode there. We had like fixed gear bikes. And I'd never ridden that far in my life. It was like 45 miles. And I was like, whoa, we're on this ride. And mid-ride, I was like, man, if we could ride to Seattle, we could ride across the country. And I was like, this is huge. That's not a normal progression, by the way. Yeah, but I'd I'd never even heard of bike touring, you know. I was like, it was like, I didn't even know anybody did that. So then I was like, well, I'm graduating this year, and uh, we can set off just after that. But we still didn't have any money, so we went and worked for the summer, saved some money, and then... Ended up, the first trip was just down the East Coast uh, from, I think we went Boston up to Montreal and then down to Key West, Florida. Yeah. Would you do anything for money while you were riding? Not then. Not then? Uh, not ever, really. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of kind of hard to do. I guess you can, like, you could write articles, you know, that kind of thing. But seasonal work, what we would do is, like, just get somewhere and then stay for, like, three months and work. So I guess that kind of counts. It was like we got to Key West, and then that was the end of the road. We got jobs as pedicab drivers, you know, like bicycle taxi. I also worked at a restaurant. It was like the holiday season, and it's like the tropics. For me, I was like, wow, this is incredible. They're like decorating palm trees and stuff for Christmas. Beautiful. Uh, Yeah, and then so saved money and then took off to ride across the south. And So I guess there was always a plan for a next trip. Gotcha. They could stay like three to six months in one spot and then start riding somewhere else. Um, and then that way I got to like kind of live around the country, working at different restaurants, kind of learning wow. different places, Can't making imagine. friends. Yeah. What a great experience. So that was cool. What was motivating you at that time in your life? Was it was it the bike travel or was it, um, yeah, all the different places or the people? I or? think it was more the places, just like connecting these places. Because even then I would like didn't even like riding. It was like, I was a runner, so mm-hmm. I love to run. And then I'd get on this bike, and I'm like, oh, like, I don't really want this bike with all this stuff on it. Like, I felt kind of, like, trapped on the bike, wow. which is so odd. Because yeah. now, like, the bike is, I feel so free on the right, bike. It's like right. I had to ch- I had to switch mentalities. Yeah, uh, I get it, though, from running, which is super simplistic. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, there's nothing. You might have water on you or some gels. Or, you just go. I, I'm not a runner, but I know you don't have much stuff with mm-hmm. cycling. If you're going to do what you're doing, you have to carry some stuff, some food, some water, some shelter. Then you got this big ass bike you got to lug around yeah. too. And so I get it. I get it. So at what point did, did you kind of start to really maybe fall in love with the cycling aspect of it? I mean, really, uh, I was injured. This was 2014. I had an Achilles injury, so I couldn't run. And it was like driving me crazy. I was like, all I want to do is run, but I can't because of my ankle and so I started riding long distance and I was borrowing my mom's bike at the time she had like a kind of a mid-level road bike and I was like okay I'm in Anchorage I was working and then I have the weekend so I'd be like 
over the weekend, I'm going to ride to Homer and it's like 224 miles. Mm -hmm. And so I would cover these great distances, like not sleeping much, just on my own. It wasn't a race. And I was like, I really kind of, I started obsessing about these long rides. Uh, and that was like the start of, of like really appreciating the bike. And then also like realizing I could cover like massive distances and, uh, it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. The end of that summer, I did a 400 mile road race. Um, and I didn't even know if I could finish it. There's like a cutoff time of 32 hours. And I was like, well, I actually don't know if I can finish this. And then while I was riding, I like started picking up speed. I ended up like getting second overall in the race. And the guy who beat me was on a recumbent. <laughs> <laughs> and he beat me by like 12 minutes. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And I finished and I was like, wow, that wasn't so bad. Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't even that, that tired. Yeah. I was like. I mean, I'm tired, but I'm fine. And I was like, 400 miles, you can, I mean, I think my time was like 27 hours. I was like, you can even finish that distance in that time. I didn't yeah. realize it was possible. So that was pretty what, cool. That's something I hear you say a lot. I'm not even tired. Yeah. What, what the heck, dude? Like, how are you? I don't know. How? I mean, I think I just like don't get tired very easily and then i'm are like you talking about physically mentally everything both. you're just yeah, you're just, just like clicked on and i'm like i'm fine you I'm know fine. or like i sleep for a few hours and then i just pop awake and i'm like i'm ready to go hmm. you know it's just like something i think i'm so excited to be out there right you know part of this but then i'm also just like kind of i don't know i've always been like a kind of a morning person like hmm. just ready to go you know excited to just get outside can't sit still just yeah i always have to move yeah you know so I yeah. guess it works for this kind of sport. It works. I mean, you know, the mental side is huge. And so it seems like, I mean, just naturally, maybe you kind of have the mental side licked and then you have some, mm -hmm. um, obviously physical fitness. Yeah. I mean, I've been even thinking more about that, like the mental side, cause I just have kind of taken it by like, Oh, this is, this is what I do. But mm -hmm. I've realized even more and more, the more positive you can stay, the better you're going to do. So it's like, now I'm trying to just while I'm riding, just keep my head in a good place. And yeah. I started using like music for this. Like if I feel really bad, then I'm like, all right, just listen to music for like an hour, like basically pop. Yeah. And then it'll Happy just music. bring you out of it. You're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. Or like staying up through the night. Cause it's hard to stay awake. I used to like sing to myself, but now I like, I'll listen to, I've been listening to Harry Potter and it'll keep you up all night. You just like want to know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's, that's great. I was actually going to ask you what you listen to on the, mm -hmm. on, on your rides. Um, yeah, music, music is, I listen to podcast books. I listen mm -hmm. to it all. We're actually reading Harry Potter with my daughter right now. So good. How far so into good. it are you? Oh man, I'm on the last book. Oh wow. Yeah. I listened to it for the Arizona trail. Uh -huh. I didn't sleep for two days wow. like at all. Yeah. And, but it would really keep me up, you know, it's I like, I was listening, I'm riding this like pretty technical trail, listening to Harry Potter <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> it's like, this is so weird. I, I can relate. I've done some races and, uh, you know, I listen to music and I should say this was a time trial. So it wasn't like I was shoulder to shoulder with people. Yeah. Um, but they're like, what were you listening to? I'm like, oh, podcast. They're like, you're like going max heart rate and listen to yeah. podcasts. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I honestly, I think it just kind of relaxes me, you know, like, mm -hmm. I mean, you need to be intense, but mentally you kind of want to be relaxed. Yeah. At least I do, you know? And so oh, yeah. I'm trying to just stay calm in my brain, but then mm -hmm. also push myself um, and yeah, I, I find that that helps singing helps smiling. Yeah. There, there's like studies that if you just like smile, if you're just like, and I'll, I will 
definitely do that. I'm like, if things are hard, (laughs) you wake up first thing in the morning and everything hurts and you know you got that Mm -hmm. first like 30 minutes to like an hour break-in period where you got to like tell your body like, okay, yeah, we really are doing this. I'll just try to smile, you know, real big and uh, just be happy, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's it, that's great. I mean, I, I think that's important for people to hear that. Um, yeah, just appreciate the moment you're in and, and be yeah, happy. And, and it's keep... not it's going to be hard. You yeah. know, you're going to experience pain, but it's not that big of a deal. Also, not getting emotional about it, like not being so upset that you're in pain. It's like, uh, it'll pass. I think yeah. sometimes I think like I even like look at the clock and I'm like, OK, I'm just going to check again in 30 minutes and see like at that time if I feel any better and mm-hmm. usually you do like you feel horrible and then 30 minutes later you're like oh I'm fine that's something I've noticed too it's weird right so you have these preconceived ideas of what you can and cannot do uh-huh. and then you go and you you smash through whatever it is and then you're like okay well I thought I couldn't do that now I know I can what else can I do that I didn't think I could and the other thing is your body actually gets used to it right like you give yourself like like the first long ride I did 224 miles like my whole my legs like swelled up like crazy afterward that never happened again it was like your body goes through shock and then the next time you do it your body's like oh that's fine been there I did that yeah you know no problem so it's like I think the same with the sleep deprivation it's like now it's not as big of a deal Oh, wow. Can you talk about that a little bit? Going it's, just, it's not. I think it's probably the most unhealthy thing you can do for yourself. Right. But it actually does get easier. You're, like, not craving sleep as much as you used to. Like, in, I didn't, this race in Switzerland, I slept, like, nine and a half hours the whole race, five days, four and a half days. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I wasn't expecting to do that. I thought I would sleep, like, four or five hours a night. And then I just kept waking up, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, you're it just wasn't training your body that bad. Your mind I wasn't and your like body. forcing myself to do it. I was just kind of doing it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, that's one thing I really love about this sport. Um, how it pushes you and you get to find out more things about yourself that you're capable of more than you thought you were, you know, we're really way more capable than we give ourselves credit for a lot oh, of the yeah. time. And I'll use like every modern convenience I can, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I'm like, I'm only buying food at the gas station because <laughs> it's faster. Right. You know, like all this crazy stuff. Yeah. Like you'll use, like I'll use the resources as much as I can, you know, which is part of like, part of the kind of the game of it. You're yeah. like, how can I actually do this faster? Well, we're fortunate to be in a position where we, I mean, you get to push yourself. I mean, you choose. That's a choice you make. Yeah, You're exactly. going to choose to put yourself in some hard, hard positions. But you but don't have to. It's a You're luxury. Like forced there. Yeah. yeah. But there's something I enjoy about that, making that connection with kind of like opening up your eyes and your mind to what human beings are mm-hmm. capable of and realize like there's there's levels out there. And you also learn so much more about the natural world. Like if you're out there all night, like you see so many more animals yes. and you like you're in the dark, but you feel like any bodies of water close to you because it's cold. Like you can't even see them, but you feel them. You wow. start feeling like all this stuff around you. You smell you can the kind moisture. Of like tell yeah. what's happening, even yeah. though you can't see it. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool to, right. to experience. Or you see like different times of day, like when the dew sets, when it comes in, like it's just like you feel you can kind of start feeling like the weather changes you know which is like wow that's pretty cool i love that i love it when you're out away from civilization long enough to where you can start to get in tune with what's happening and Mm -hmm. again make that connection and be like man what would it be like if there wasn't light pollution and we had to rely on these senses that i'm experiencing right now all the time they would Mm -hmm. just get heightened and better and Mm -hmm. um but those those are neat i i really that's one thing i 
I enjoy is finding that connection in nature and yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Other, other senses start to perk up. All right. An easy one. Actually, on my notes, this is a hard one. <laughs> what's What's been your, uh, oh, I did it backwards. Okay. Yeah, what, okay, in, in the cycling realm, what has been your biggest accomplishment? Oh, um, let me think. My biggest accomplishment, I mean, the best project I was a part of was the making the Baja Divide route. Okay. Uh, down the Baja Peninsula in Mexico. Mm-hmm. That was definitely like the kind of the biggest um, contribution, really, uh, as far as like making riding accessible and available to others and like sending people out for this um, this adventure ride on yeah. a, like a stellar route, getting people excited about that, you know, and then the on-the-ground work of making this route. So the Baja divides 1,700 miles down the Baja Peninsula, probably 95% dirt. Um, and it just crosses all the major ranges down the peninsula, mountain ranges. Um, so I went out with my ex-boyfriend to scout this. We took like maybe up to six months on bikes, making all these connections, a lot of dead ends, like a lot of like not finding connecting route. Um, and so it was a huge project just to get this route out, then make a website, publish it, organize like a group start where a hundred people met in San Diego to ride Mm. together and... And then I also did a women's scholarship where I gave away a bike, bike packing bags, like a tent, all this stuff, like all these things just as basically like, okay, people, here you go. Just go for it. Yeah. You know, it's there, it's free, it's available. That was huge. It was a ton of work. Um, and also like doing things at that point that I'm not that good at, like organizing people, you know, bringing them together. I mean, this like actually really stressed me out, yeah. <laughs> but it was really cool. Um I'm much more like solo. It's like for me, I like just being out and riding often by myself. So like thinking more in a group mentality, that was big. That was hard for me. Um, I also did, I mean, the racing's great. You know, the accomplishments are like solid. I mean, that I won the Trans Am was huge. But then it's like, well, it's just a race. You know, two years ago, I did a project where I rode all of the roads in Alaska. That was probably the most fun I've ever had. You know, it's like, it was so unpredictable. I'd go out for like a a week, two weeks, like, you know, basically set, like, I'm going to ride to uh, the Arctic Slope um, and then just do that, but have no plan along the way. Were you base camping out of your house there and just riding? Yeah. So I'd go out and then come back to work. So I was like funding all of this by working at a bike shop and they were super cool about it. They were like, just come to work whenever you're in town. (laughs) (laughs) They like, come to work whenever you're in town. When you leave, that's totally fine. You know, just clock out and there you go. Man, what a wonderful uh, attitude to have that they would allow you to do that. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. I've never had that flexibility. So that was so cool. And then I was like seeing my home state, places I'd only ever heard of, never seen. And then I was also like, well, I don't have to ride both directions so i'd ride one way and then immediately start trying to hitch back (laughs) (laughs) i got to dead horse you know like the farthest north you can go and then i'm like in this cafeteria because that's the only food they have and i'm like walking table to table asking is anybody driving back to anchorage you know i get i hitch a ride with this like huge semi truck you're like all kitted out with your bike and everything. And, and I'm you're so like, dirty <laughs> and I haven't slept in like a day. Did you know? anyone think you're a homeless lady? Like, no, cause it's like, how would you end up there? Okay. It's so far it's out. It's so out there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, there aren't 
any resources for the last 200 miles. Oh, wow. Like zero. Yeah. Man, I like I like what you said about um, just giving something back. I feel like oh, yeah. I don't feel like that that was a major reason why I started a podcast simply mm-hmm. because I feel like I've been the benefactor of people like you and people who have developed routes or YouTube videos on gear, whatever it is. Like there's so many people who have contributed so much to this community that I love. I wanted to I wanted to do something, you know, and mm-hmm. so this is kind of just my contribution Super back cool. to back to the bikepacking community, you know, like. That's in so whatever cool. small way I can. And I feel like that's like kind of the community in general. People are like are creating these like resources for others for really just the fact of getting them out. Mm-hmm. You know, cuz it's like there's no you're not getting any money for this. You're not getting any fame for this. I'm definitely you're just not. <laughs> doing it, you know, and it's like you're just doing it to have it out there. Yeah. Building routes just so they're there. Right. Because they're places you love and you want other people to come experience That's them. exactly what it is. Yeah. It's, it's amazing, that's you know, exactly and it's like, it and then I, I find somebody that's made a great route and I'm just so grateful because it's so gorgeous mm-hmm. and it's like, I never would have made those connections. Like the Swiss route, incredible. And I never would have found that. Right. I never would have gone to Switzerland. Right. You know, so... That's Just exactly like it. Yeah. Solid routes. It's like what a gift. Yeah, all of that. I I feel a huge debt of gratitude to everyone who's who's done something, and so mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice to give back to the community a little a little bit yeah, super in cool. any little way. And obviously, the Baja was a, a huge uh, contribution. So off the bike, what has been your greatest accomplishment? Off that's the that's the hard oh, that's the boy, hard one. That's the hard one. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been like so kind of set on the bike for like, you know, over a decade that I'm yeah. like, what do I have to do when I'm not on the bike? What about personally? Like in a way that maybe you've grown personally, even through riding a bike, but it's like helped you become a, a better person or have a greater perspective or appreciation or. I mean, it's like now, you know, this is still bike related, but it's like I organize a girls program. So that doesn't really feel like too much biking for me because it's like we ride like 10 miles right uh and so that's yeah i guess like off the bike would be you know this these efforts to like kind of build community or make like um make scholarships or make girls programs it's like that's harder work for me to do but it's like i believe in it so hard that i'm like i'm just gonna make it happen yeah and that's kind of cool too because it's like i'm not the best person to be doing this people are great at organizing, you know, they have like a mind for it. They have like a method and I'm like such a scramble. I have like a paper list, you know, and that's it. I feel the same way about podcasting. Yeah. I feel like there's so many better people that could do it, but the, I think the important thing is that you're doing it. You, you just know? do it you anyway. Just do it. Cause you're yeah. like, well, if I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. So yes, I so. might as well just do it. Yeah, you might as well. Uh, let's talk about your women's. Is that uh, grit, right? Yeah, Anchorage grit. grit. Yeah. So, let's talk about that. Oh, it's so good. It's so it's grit stands for girls riding into tomorrow. And I organized this with Kate Rodriguez. She also lives in Anchorage. Uh, we kind of came up with the idea while we were doing this group ride on the Baja divide. And then we were like, Hey, let's, let's make a mentorship program for girls. Uh, so we kind of nailed in, um, to 12 and 13 year old girls They're in seventh grade. And then we had to just our, our initial idea was like, we'll take them at the end on basically a bikepacking trip. So I set this idea like, we're going to ride from Anchorage, the city, out to Eklutna Lake, ride along a trail at the end of the lake to a forest service cabin. It's like basically city to wilderness. Yeah. Like the cabin backs up to a glacier. It's just oh, exceptional. Wow. You know, it's so cool. Um, 60 miles, I think, was the total trip. And then we're like, okay, how do we set it up? 
to prepare these girls for the ride. That was one. Another was like, what girls do we want to work with? You know, and then we have to get involved with the schools to find girls for this. Um, and then we have to, we wanted to have like at least one mentor, like adult woman to every two girls. So we have to recruit people to help us with this. Um, so we kind of designed this whole program where we got bikes from Specialized, uh, bags from Revelate, you know, got all this donation equipment and then started meeting the girls after school two days a week uh, and then on Saturdays for longer rides to build up to this final weekend trip that's three days. Uh, wow. Yeah. So what was the experience of the, how, at what age were these young ladies? 12 and 13. 12 and 13. Uh-huh. So what kind of experience did they have in cycling or the outdoors going Zero. into? Yeah. I mean, you know, the first year we worked with two different schools. So one is a low income school kind of on the east side of town and then another is an optional program. So we found girls at the optional school like their parents had taken them backpacking or they had been out the girls from the east side of town like had never like they many of them have never even seen like the water the coast in anchorage it's like this is your city and you haven't been like 10 miles across town to see like the coast you know and they're like wow that leads to the ocean you know it's like that to me i was like oh oh man yeah like so what was that like seeing that like giving those girls that that gift it was or such that opportunity. a surprise. But then it's also so cool because it's like they haven't ridden and they're so squirrely when they start. They're just like shaking on their bikes. Mm-hmm. And then like two weeks later, they're fine. Yeah. And then they're like building up their mileage. At the end, they're riding like, you know, 25 miles a day with all this climbing. And it's hard, but they do it. Right. Then they come back like the next year and they ride with us as like student mentors, some of them. And they're at the, like the, the girls that were in the back are now leading the whole group. Beautiful. And you're like, that's incredible. Yeah. Like how they can improve and develop. It's like for me to see that, just to see it over six weeks, I'm like, oh my gosh, they can just do it. Yeah. And then you think about like anybody could do this. Right. Anyone can. Like if they just kind of commit to like, it's going to be hard mm-hmm. and then stick with it even for like two months. And then you're like, okay, you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, so I had cool. a I had a very similar experience recently where um, there's a professor at Texas Tech University, Jared Foster. Yeah, you know him? Uh, no, but some of his students came out to interview me. Um, oh, cool! In Arizona. Oh wow! Which ones? Do you it remember? was. Uh, I think her name's Anna Claire. Anna Claire, yes. Yeah, you know her. Yeah, she was on the trip with me, and I uh, I interviewed her for the podcast. Oh, and right we're gonna on. We're going to be doing some more stuff. She's trying to get a, a women's mountain bike festival kicked off here that. in this yeah. area. So, um, yeah, Yeah, awesome. she came over. She was like, because they have to do a final, like, media project, I think a video. Mm-hmm. So they had done this route uh, in New Mexico, and I was living in southern Arizona at the time, so they drove over from New Mexico. Wow. And I was at the time I was doing this Mount Lemmon challenge where I was riding Mount Lemmon every day for a week. And <laughs> so they just came up to like mile six. Oh, nice. And then we did like an interview. and. Yeah. What a small world. Yeah, she, Anna Claire's great. I love her. Ah, I mean, this is, she. I think she just wrote me on like Instagram. And yeah. She was like, hey, I'm doing this project. Could I yeah. come meet you? And and she, she she's a it. badass. She's, you know, she's self-taught on, on cycling and the outdoors and everything uh-huh. and just fell in love with it and uh, and taught herself, you know, how to be a badass. Yeah. Yeah. And a great photographer, too. Oh, yeah. She's a wonderful which photographer. Which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I so my my experience was going with her. She went as a trip leader this time. But okay. this this uh, program that he has, he takes 16 students, college students um, into some remote areas and this 
past uh, spring, we went to Big Bend Ranch State Park, which is like the most remote, rugged part of Texas you can get to. And some of these students had never been, like three of them had never been camping before. One of them learned how to ride a bike legitimately for this uh, course. I said crash because she crashed 44 times on that trip. Holy cow. Like one of the girls endowed bit through her lip oh, and she, God, she was like really bad. squirting water through her lip, you know, and, but they're all smiles and they kept going and they it's all amazing to see. did it, Yeah, you know, amazing. and the, the amazing part was watching people who had never been camping before, never ridden their bike before, like with very, very limited experience, go out into super remote areas and just like kill it, you know, yeah. and, and not only kill it, but man some of them i mean i saw lots of tears of joy just in all the so beauty inspired. Yeah. right that's that w- so cool that was like the coolest thing for me to see is is uh, and also like you just don't need all the coolest gear you know you can just oh, no. go out and like enjoy it and be, yeah i mean they came to ride with me up lemon they had like you know steel hardtail konas i think or something like that yeah. the school actually had like a fleet of bikes for this whoa something like that i think they were borrowed bikes yeah. or well that's awesome that's so cool i mean and then it just makes me want to be out there like doing that with them because i want to see how this goes off you know yeah, absolutely and their teacher wrote me but i haven't he was like oh thank you so much for meeting with my students so kind yeah you know it's like no big deal they came <laughs> and found me on a mountain <laughs> Oh, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jared's real nice. Uh, He's he's doing a lot of really neat things for the community, giving back in the same way you are. You're you're helping with the younger girls and he's taking them in college. And I mean, there's only two college programs that I'm aware of that take students bikepacking. Yeah. There's also the one in uh, Arizona. Yeah. Kurt Ref Snyder's school, Prescott. Yeah. Because he does the geology. Totally. um, Which is a great, great way to like my wife is a geologist also. So like. We, we we travel around and I mean okay, you have plenty cool. of time to look at the geology when you're on a bike whether it's the little rocks in front of your tire or the big cliffs yeah, yeah, or whatever sure. it is you know you can appreciate all of it yeah, yeah what a cool way to see it have, have you had him on the show too I haven't I think Kurt is like probably the most like doing the most for bikepacking right now of anybody wow I yeah. really do it's like this bikepacking roots he's putting together right. like kind of establishing routes through either like Navajo land and just all the connections he's making as, and also just killing it as a racer. And I mean, I'm just, I'm just blown away with what this guy's doing. Yeah. He's taking on a lot. I don't feel like he's getting enough credit for it. Well, I'll give him some credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give him some credit right now. I definitely want to uh, interview him. I know Jared Foster, um, uh, is friends with him as well. And, mm-hmm. um, I, like I said, I only try to do in-person interviews, so yeah. it's very you, much you of a product is whenever someone's in my vicinity, like with you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't even think I mentioned that, but this is not like a planned interview. Yeah. I messaged, uh, I messaged you on Instagram yesterday and you were gracious enough to carve out like a little bit of time to sit down. So I, I oh, appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, of course. You're like a real person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is it, what's it like to be the best in the world? Oh man, you know, it's like you say that, but then I'm like, well, am I the best? And I really want to be. So I'm like, then I just have to keep, uh, kind of going harder. Cause I'm like, it's not good enough just to set the record. Cause I also want to beat the men's records. Right. And then I haven't. You know, so then I'm like, well, I still have that out there, so I'm not the best. Like the Tour Divide, for instance, I'm racing again this summer, and I don't think I'm going to get it this year because there's so much snow. 
but I really want to beat that record. In 17, did you have the overall record? Or? 2015, I raced it. No, I have. So the women's record then was 19 days, two hours, and I took it down to 15 days, 10 hours. Okay, so Wikipedia said in 17 you beat the men's record. That's not true? Not true. Okay, we're going to put that out there right now. Wikipedia is so bad. It's like (laughs) point to point, like every single thing is wrong. But it's like, what, are you going to edit your own Wikipedia page? Yeah, we need to. That's bad. We're we're going to get some people to edit that (laughs) and make it all accurate. I'm like, this stuff is all. My mom read it, and she's like, this is totally wrong. This is all right. You didn't (laughs) do any of this stuff. (laughs) Just don't look at it, you know. But then somebody calls me for like a magazine interview, and they're like, yeah, so Wikipedia says all this stuff. And I'm like, that's all wrong. Yeah, that's. So. I've, I've like just growing up in life, like I grew up as a skateboarder and then like later on I played tennis and I've always been competitive and I'm like, man, what would it be like to be the best skateboarder in the entire world, you know, or, or whatever. But I don't know if I'll ever talk to anybody else that is like, you're legitimately the best female ultra endurance, uh, cyclist. Yeah. But I, you know, I kind of shrug with that too, because I'm like, well, like the Arizona Trail, Kate Boyle has the record for that, so she's the best. Right. She also has a 24-hour, she's a 24-hour world champion, so it's like, I'm not that. Yeah. You know, there's Sarah Cooper that won the race across the West. It's like 1,000 miles. Overall, she won. Right. Beat the men and everything, and I'm like, well, she's the best at that. Like, currently, I'm the best in the Tour Divide and the Trans Am. Okay. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I'll take those. And then it's like, well, I want to get better at those other categories, too. Right, you know? right. I'm like... And then I'm like, I'm not just, you know, sometimes people make like a big deal of like beating some records, but I'm like, God, you just have to smash them to really do something significant, you know? Yeah. Like, and then there are some races I'm like, I want to go get that race. What's one you want to go get? Uh, Arizona Trail 750 for sure. I wanted to ride it this year, but there was too much snow. Yeah, I was about to ask because I know that that was kind of on your, on your bucket list for this year. I'm just like itching for it. Yeah. I got to get back out there also because like I had unsettled business with that you know it's like I got so sick I had to get off the route that was 2015 and now I'm like I'm ready to get back on it cool but yeah can we so I wanted to talk to you you mentioned being sick one thing that like I've noticed is it seems like you struggle with respiratory always problem yeah like it's insane that you're accomplishing all the things that we're talking about and at the same time you're fighting with your body oh yeah I mean and that's like I think I have pretty bad asthma you know, which yeah. is like, it's just kind of sad. You think you haven't been to a doctor? No. What? <laughs> but if I use an inhaler, I'm much better off. But I still like cough like a smoker, you know, yeah. like just like sound like somebody who smokes like two packs of cigarettes a day. Yeah. And it's just kind of sad. I don't actually care that much. I'm just like, oh, this is limiting. You know, everybody has their thing. Some right. people like can't seem to eat food and can't like digest it. Some people have knee problems or back problems or everybody has like kind of their thing and like breathing is definitely mine. So how do you, how do you deal with it? I mean, is is it, I mean, you're physically struggling to take in air. It's like blocking your airways. Yeah. I mean, so now what I'll do is at least for like the first two days of the race, I'll dose an inhaler. So I'll take like two puffs of an albuterol inhaler every four hours. And then once I get past like the two day mark, usually I'm like, I think my body's over the shock and I don't have to keep taking it. Um, but if I don't do that, then I'll just go into like full physical breakdown. Yeah. Like my, I like during the first, my first attempt on the tour divide, it was like for a week, it was like 
breathing through like a little coffee straw. Yeah. It was so miserable. It was like, oh man, like these just tiny little gasps of air. And then like my mind would be totally there, but my legs like they couldn't move. It was like moving in slow motion because I couldn't get enough air in. Mm. It's like, this is so messed up. So how do you, how do you push through that? Like, I mean, how do you, that, that's a, that's a rough moment, you know, if your legs worst. aren't moving. Yeah. Like yeah. what, what do you do to well, keep pushing for that? I was like, I would just try to get to the top of the pass and then I'm like, okay, after that, it's going to be downhill for like an hour. Right. <laughs> and then I would just, uh, I was like, all right, I just have to get to the top and then I'll descend. So just little goals. Yeah. Little goals. And then, you know, at that time too, it was super frustrating because it was like, I would basically just shut down by like 9 PM. Like in the morning I would like cough up all this kind of gunk and then I'd be okay. And then over the day would just get worse and worse to where I was like not even moving. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to wake up again tomorrow and see. And I did this for about a week. Wow. And then I rode myself to the emergency room, got treatment, and then I got way better. But I think that also is because it was like my first long race. I'd ridden all the way down from Anchorage to the start. That's right, yeah. So I was like, God, I did this huge ride just to get here. And now (laughs) I don't want to quit. You know, I really didn't want to quit. So I was like, I'm just going to stick with it. And I just did that day after day until I got help. And then I got way better. Man, that's crazy. But the perseverance to just keep going is very respectful. I just really didn't want to quit. Yeah. You worked so hard to get there again. You just didn't want to let it go. And But then I've kind of... I was getting to the breaking point where I was like, I think I probably have to. Cause I went, so when I went to the emergency room, they took an x-ray of my, like, uh, of my lungs to make sure I didn't have pneumonia. Cause I was like, my symptoms were so bad that they thought I might have pneumonia. And that's like, your lungs are filling up with fluid. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I just had like super cloudy lungs. So they're like, well, <laughs> borderline, we, we don't recommend that you keep going, but you know, just, it's probably it's gonna not be okay. gonna kill you. You're, you probably won't die. It was like lungs of like a seventy-year-old, oh, you know, nice. just like really bad. So you're you have a thing about riding to the start of a race. I think oh, for twenty eighteen, yeah. or you're doing that again. I read. Is I'm that... riding to uh, start of the Dirty Kanza. Oh, the DK. Okay. Yeah. So. And that's the you're going to do the XL. XL. Yeah. Okay. So they actually, I wasn't planning on doing this race. My my goal was Tour Divide. Um, and then I was like, oh, I'll ride to the start of the tour divide again, but from Colorado, but there's been so much snow that I'm like, I can't even really ride passes to get there right now. Cause it's too snowy. Yeah. So I was like, the folks from dirty Kansas asked me if I'd come race. And initially they thought the 200 and I was like, well, I'm only interested if I can race the XL because <laughs> 200 is just like, it's not a great race for me. Yeah. You know, it's like, I can't, I don't think I'd be that competitive. It's more like a road race. You feel like you need to warm up more. I just feel like over the distance, like that's where I, and self-supported, that's like more towards my strengths. Right, right. Makes um, more sense. That's mm-hmm. where you fit in. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to race a DKXL. And then I was like, well, I could do a ride to the start of that uh, from, I'll start in Louisville near Boulder, Colorado. And I think it's like 650 miles to get to. Yeah, a nice little warm up. Yeah. And there's actually another guy. I haven't even met him. We've just t- been talking and. His name's Dylan Morton. He's also racing it. And then he was like, well, if you're interested, I'll help you out with like a better route. Or maybe we could ride together. So I'm like basically just going to show yeah. up in Boulder and, let- and then meet this guy. And then he put together like a pretty nice route and we'll just go ride it. Awesome. So like, that's kind of cool. Do you own a, do you own a car yet? 
No, I still don't drive. Still don't drive. But Rue has a car and okay. she'll be like following along, documenting the ride to the start. And um, So you have an emergency vehicle just oh, in case. Yeah. 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 And also just so she can be there. And then I'm actually the keynote speaker at like the women's forum. So for Dirty Kansas. So we'll show this video of riding to the race. And oh, then yeah. The whole idea is just like the places you can ride, you yeah. know, and kind of like. Oh, because since I've been doing this ride to the start or these long distance, more people are like, hey, I could do that. And then they like map something out from their house to like the start yeah. of another race. There's and an, oh. it's, yeah, it's just like it's cool to see like that kind of light bulb of like, hey, I could do that. And yeah. then people getting excited about it. You know, adventure riding just doesn't have to be the best route. It gets you where you're going. Right. You know? Another uh guest that I had on the show, Tom Hughes, he, he also, he doesn't own a car mm -hmm. and, uh, he rides to the start of events. He just did one in, in college station, Texas, the same one I did. And he rode, I can't, I don't remember. I'm not going to lie about the miles, but he rode a ways to get to where someone could pick him up and then they drove down together, but he doesn't own a car. So he just like has to ride to where someone can give him a, a, a ride there or ride to the start of the race or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, and then you start thinking about the other ways you can go. You know, it's like in Alaska, I take ferries. Uh -huh. Or like in Europe, I'll take trains. Right. You know, and it's like making, connecting these different methods. It's like part of the fun, too. Because mm -hmm. then you start getting creative about travel in general. Is that one thing you and Rue are trying to do is like kind of shed some light on... I, I don't know. I mean, you mentioned that you were going to be filming your, your journey to get to the Dirty Kansas. Is that mm -hmm. intentional to just show like... Look, make up a route, go ride your bike. Yeah, it is. Well, it's part of a bigger. So we're doing a media project about the Tour Divide race this year, um, mostly funded by Prolazumi and Revelate and Wahoo, and so they're like basically paying to sh share the story mm -hmm. of like. And then we've broken it down so there will be at least three videos. One will be like preparation for the race, so that's basically like riding to Dirty Kansas. Another will be all about the gear I'm using for the Tour Divide, and then. Uh, like a final short one, just a recap of how the race goes. And then we'll do more of like a 20 minute film festival video about the race. Like, That's and great. that'll be released, I think in October. Oh man. Um, Exciting. Yeah. There's a bike packing summit is in Georgia this year. You should go. Uh, okay. we're going to do the pr premiere of, of the video there. When is it? Uh, I think it's October 4th or okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, check it out. Yeah. Should be cool. I'll consider uh, that an invitation. I'm coming. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you should go. I've never been to Georgia either. So I like, haven't either. And it, um, it, this is, I can't remember something Mulberry Gap or something like that. It's like a really cool little like trail center. Okay. And the folks that are like hosting are like their moms like cooking all the meals. <laughs> it's like very like southern. Very southern, yeah. yeah. I love so it. I think uh I think that'll be cool. Yeah. You know. The past two years have been in Colorado, so it's kind of cool to like take it somewhere else. Yeah. Are you starting to get used to uh, people filming you all the time and wanting it, you know, to have interviews with you and all that? Yeah, like, it's not like all the time, uh -huh. you know, but it's pretty, it's more common, I guess. It, I mean, it's so cool now the way people connect with you is they just like write. It's same with, same with like uh, media and sponsors. They'll just like send me an Instagram message or yeah. like even like the state department. Yeah. I'm like, what the heck? Like they asked because I was supposed to race in Kyrgyzstan last year. And they're like, hey, will you be a sports envoy for the State Department Wow. to Kyrgyzstan? I'm I don't like, even know what that is, but that's cool. It's like <laughs> basically like former, it, they've never had a cyclist. So in the past it's been like former Olympians. 
Like we'll go and like visit different schools in the in the country they're going to and like basically just spend time with the kids being inspiring and I'm like yeah. that sounds so cool but I'm like I'm getting an Instagram message about this like that seems like official you know yeah. but it's like the the method of communication now is just different yeah it is it, it, I guess our world is shrinking in like that you way you can just get in touch with people like immediately yeah like you don't have to have a contact really you just write whoever yeah usually through Instagram yeah that's like how I make almost all my Instagram, connections Facebook messages yeah. like sometimes people will find my email but that's even even that's becoming more rare yeah which is like, like that's so weird that I know I get an like, email I get emails too and I'm just like oh oh email okay yeah <laughs> so. I, I try to I try to check that too um well all right so I wanted to uh to close by like I have I'm, I'm married to a wife my wife mm -hmm. and I have a nine-year-old daughter and a two-year-old daughter and uh we we we're a family of riders my two-year-old mm -hmm. she's a striden and we just got Cute. her um her first pedal bike so I'm excited to try to teach her how to ride like before the age of three is my goal oh I my want gosh, her I want awesome. her tearing it up but uh yeah so like what what is some advice to any women out there that are not just to my my family but just to women in general that you like to spread you know any message yeah. to women I mean I guess I would say you know it's like I've faced like people if you're a woman and you're riding alone or you're kind of taking on these long distances you get kind of weird uh sometimes most of the time it's like people are really inspired and excited but occasionally you'll get kind of this weird response where people will tell you it's not possible or that it's too dangerous or but I mean you kind of have to look at that and think it's not really about you it's about them like they're they're mm. afraid and that's why they're telling you that right like kind of disparaging comments and then just to like realize it's weird and then forget about it you know and go do your thing anyway because yeah. it's like people can tell you what you can and cannot do and then you can just go do it and and then once you do it uh then the then it might actually change their mind too. Right. But I even had that before, like I was doing these long rides that weren't races. And then I would have like a reaction from some men telling me I was lying, that I actually hadn't done it. Oh, wow. And I was like, that's so weird. And that was part of what kind of uh, triggered me to race too. Cause I was like, well, if I'm in a race and I get the result, <laughs> then it's like concrete that I actually did it. Right. There's proof. You know, There's I'm a track not, leader. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not like <laughs> making it up or like, Oh, it's so, so sad weird. that you have to do that. You I know? know, but it's also like, I like doing it anyway, but I was but it, like, and it's good. That's so weird. Like, where's that coming from? Yeah. Um, well, we need to break that down. That's why I wanted to I ask so. you that question. And, yeah. and that's why you're such an inspiration to so many people because like, just go do it. You yeah. know, don't let other people like dictate what you what you can do yeah you can just go do it and you don't have to like only compete against women you compete against the field you know and I've heard that a lot too it's like well you know you you won the women's category and it's like well that's not all I'm aiming to do mm -hmm. I want to win the whole thing you yeah. know and like I think that kind of opens it up I think especially because you can in endurance I don't know about shorter form races I right. don't compete there but in endurance you absolutely can I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if women have an advantage in endurance in some ways. I've heard that too, yeah. you know, and it's like, they're, they're, they're so much tougher than guys are. They're <laughs> like, just like waiting for evidence, you know, like people are right. waiting for evidence to see that this actually can happen. Exactly. So it's like, if you do it, then they're like, oh, see, it happened. How, how, how often does that happen when someone breaks like a marathon record? Like no one will ever, I don't even know what it is. Like under three hours, I think is what they're going for right now. Mm -hmm. Like, um, 
like like no one can do it and then somebody does it and then like there's 10 people after them that, that do it that do yeah exactly it. it's like this mental thing of yeah. like nobody believes it can happen until right. it does and then once that record comes down then it's gonna get hit again definitely yeah yeah and i mean the other thing is like with bike packing races there just aren't that many women competing like i show up to a race and it's like you know 180 people 20 maybe 20 are women like probably not probably more like 10 yeah and it's like well, there just aren't that many competing so yeah. it's like well and i also think women don't even realize this is like a sport and then once they hear about it they're like oh i could do that i see a lot more like women getting into it that are just like yeah no big deal <laughs> you know so it's just cool well no that's good i mean we need i'm so grateful that you came on the came on the show because we need people um like you we need women we need you know anna claire who's trying to do neat things and yeah, i'm going to sure. be talking to jan bennett later who you know yeah, and totally um cool. but we we need those people to like break down those barriers so that people know that it's possible yeah for sure yeah and i mean i'm just excited to be doing it because yeah. i want to you yeah. know <laughs> oh like, there's that too. i want to go do this i want to go do this weird thing where it's like i don't sleep i eat just total yeah. junk food but i just want to be out riding yeah. you know that's what keeps me going is that i actually love the riding well, did, is there anything we didn't talk about? I think we covered it. I'm sure it. there's a lot we didn't <laughs> talk about, but um, I, I appreciate you coming, uh, letting me come and talk to you. Time is super valuable, and for you to carve out a little bit of time uh, to share a little bit of your story, I appreciate oh, yeah. it. And I think after this, I'm going to retire because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> Who else so am I going to enter? No, I'm kidding. But I do appreciate it, and uh, yeah, enjoy talking to yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. You too. All right. All right, thank you so much for tuning in. And thanks again to Lael for sitting down and talking with me. Uh, I really enjoyed that and I hope all y'all did as well. Um, Lael is currently riding her bike uh, to the start of the DKXL. So that kicks off on June 1st. And if you wanna keep up with her ride as she rides 650 miles to DKXL, you can head over to Instagram. There's a link there in her profile to her uh, her tracking. and You can just keep up with her adventure as she heads towards the race and rides. It's so funny. She's riding almost double the length of the race just to get to the race. So <laughs> I love that. Um, and then obviously watch how she does at the DKXL. Uh, it should be a really good race this year. There's uh, It's a good field. Uh, so good luck, Lael, and everybody out there who's participating in the DK, whether that's the 200 or the 350. What a great event. Um, so good luck to all the participants. All right, so the the project that I had in mind, you heard on the episode when we were talking about the Wikipedia and how it was completely crap, and even her mom was giving her shit about it. So um, I, what I'd like to do is if I could get one or two or three, I don't, I don't know how many people I've never edited a Wikipedia page before, but if, if you kind of know how to do that and, and want to give a little bit of a gift to Lael, um, like she said, she can't edit her own Wikipedia. It just wouldn't be right. So I thought it'd be neat. Something nice we could do for her to just get, get the little group together, edit, uh, the Wikipedia, make it right, uh, make it current and then send her a link. Um, so if you could uh, either reach out to me on Instagram or uh, send me an email, bikes at bikesordeath.com. And I'll, I'll kind of coordinate it and I'll put together a little group and, and we'll make that happen. I think that'd be cool. So, all right, uh, you know what to do now. Head over to Patreon. 
Uh, if you want to support the show, if you if you like this type of content, um, your contributions are greatly appreciated. And also leave a review um, on iTunes. Uh, that helps other people find the show, helps grow it, and uh, that's that's what we're here to do. We're trying to make bike packing and adventuring um, and the outdoors more accessible to more people. And uh, you know, the more people that hear it, the better I'll be able to. Uh, have an impact in that way, which is something I definitely want to do. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Now you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. (laughs) 